0: The theme of the day is living under grace and the Bible reading is found in Romans chapter 6 reading verses 12 to 23. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let, your, let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on uh, sinning? Of course not. Don't you realise that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. And you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led to even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do these things that lead to wholeness and result in eternal life, for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me as we respond to God speaking to us in his word by confessing our faith in him as the body of Christ. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered unto Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Over to you, Pastor Steen.
1: Our text this morning is the passage from Romans 6 that Ross has just read. And I was particularly drawn to Paul's um, almost, he's almost amazed that anyone could suggest that we're free to sin rather than free from sin. And so he writes, What then should we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace. By no means do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, your slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness. Heavenly Father, speak to us through your words so that we may be strengthened in our faith and equipped for every good service in your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God didn't give us his law to make us good people. In fact, the law doesn't have power to do that. Not only that, but as I've already said, we are in fact already forgiven. Forgiven of the sin that we have committed The sin that we are currently committing, I don't know how you sin in the middle, oh yes I do know how you can sin in the middle of a sermon actually when it comes to that, but also the sin that we're yet to commit. We are already forgiven. All sin, past, present and future has been forgiven because Jesus suffered and died on a cross and rose again on the third day for you so that we might also live with him and rise with him to life with God for all eternity. So why then be good when most of us might have a sneaky suspicion that being bad is more fun? Why be good? That's exactly the question that Paul asks in our text when he reminds us that we live under grace and not under the law. Paul says, in effect, there are two powers you can submit to. These powers will rule over us and they will shape our lives in their own image and in their own character. We can submit our lives to the power of sin. That's one option. Sin operates under the law. But it's more than a set of rules. It's a power that gradually gains control over us. Just like someone, you know, who takes a drug once and then a second time and then all of a sudden they discover that they can't stop. They, can, can, they discover that they're hooked. We start by sin, thinking sorry, that we're free to sin but then we discover that we're not free to stop sinning. That's pretty obvious, I guess, when we're talking about addictive behaviours, you know, whether to drugs, alcohol, sex or gambling. But Paul wants us to think deeper than that. If we feed and nurture our anger, we begin to lose control. Someone might then suggest that we need to do an anger management course. And we can say the same thing about bitterness or jealousy or pride. Greed can also gain control of us, as can its close cousin, selfishness. Also, as the playwright Walter Scott apparently wrote, and many have said so since, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. One lie quickly becomes another, and then another. And I'm sure you can think of many other examples. Paul describes this phenomenon in our text in a number of different ways. He says sin exercises dominion or rulership or lordship uh, over our mortal bodies, making us obey our passions. He says this is presenting ourselves as slaves to sin or to impurity or to greater and greater iniquity. And Paul warns us at the end of this text that sin pays a wage which is death. And so sin is therefore putting us on the road towards death. In short, sin is a much stronger power than we are able to face and defeat. In the next chapter, his letter to the Romans, Uh, Paul kind of summarizes this personally when he's close to despair and he says, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Many Christians seem to think that the answer to this problem, the answer to our problem with sin and its power over us, is a mega dose of God's law. Right? A few years back, we had a big controversy in the media because a rugby player uh, made certain statements. Israel Folau, you might remember, uh, I even wrote a blog about it at the time, uh, where he described the number of people who were going to hell, right? No offence, but you're going to hell, sort of a thing, right? And I remember wishing at the time, and that's what I wrote about in the blog, I guess, um, that he'd gone on to say respectable straight people are going to hell. (laughs) Right? And I'm sure that's what he believed, or believes. But somehow the focus seemed to be that if you bash people with the law, then they're going to lift their game. Now we need to be careful here because the law has a very legitimate and important function in what God does in our world. But it doesn't make us good. What it does is it drives us to repentance. And if that proclamation of the law leads someone to repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then it's done its job. The problem is that we can very easily try to communicate that in a way that sends a totally different message. And, of course, the key thing in communication is what people hear rather than what we think we said. So the law is good, as Paul says in many places. But it's still not where I'd begin talking with a non Christian. But that's another message for another day. We can't go into that now. So now today, we need to see that the law doesn't have the power to bring about the change that it demands. Not in the lives of Christians, sorry, not in the lives of non-Christians, and not even in the lives of Christians. Paul says in our text that what we need to do is present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. I think the point here is very simple. What you feed will grow. What you feed will grow. And so, if you feed sin, it's going to grow. It's going to get a greater and greater and greater control in your life. And we see that reasonably easily with addictive behaviours, but it's true also for all those other things I mentioned before. If you feed your anger, you'll become more angry. If you feed your greed, you're going to become more greedy. There was a movie about that some time ago, wasn't there? You know, the message was greed is good. Hmm, maybe. So Paul says rather what we ought to do is present our members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. And again, but now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification and the end is eternal life. So the question is, what or to who are you going to surrender to? Are we going to surrender ourselves to our sinful passions and so let sin rule in our lives, or are we going to surrender ourselves to God and his spirit at work in our life? Now, at this point, we need to be careful, I think, because it's very easy then to fall back in under the power of the law. It's very easy to then get the guilts all the time, feel you know, that the defining feature of us as, human, as a human being is that we are weak and miserable sinners. Now, that's true. But for us as Christians, the defining feature of who we are is that we are the forgiven children of God. Surrendering to God and His Spirit doesn't mean trying even harder to live under the law, as though that was something that again depends on our efforts and our strength. When you surrender, you give up. You say, I can't do this anymore. I can't fight this battle anymore. So the question is, are we going to say that to sin? I can't fight against you anymore. And so surrender to sin... Or are we going to say to God and his spirit, I can't fight this battle against sin anymore. Will you please do it for me? That's living under grace. Of course, that doesn't mean that we no longer have a problem with sin in our lives. You probably know a few people who think they don't have a problem with sin anymore, right? They seem to want to put across that message that they are perfect. Um, If you think that might, uh, I might have that sort of attitude. Well, I brought my wife along this morning. Uh, You can just talk to her. She'll straighten you out, right? So the point is not that we no longer have a problem with sin or that we no longer sin. We start thinking that way, that immediately moves us back under the law that immediately moves us back into the air, into that area where it's so easy to say, I've simply got to try harder. I've got to dedicate. I've got to make another commitment. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. When really what Paul is calling us to do is to surrender to the work of the Spirit in our lives. It doesn't mean that we no longer have a problem with sin. In fact, we might even become more conscious of our sin and our failure and our weaknesses. It may seem to us that we're getting worse and worse because we stop just thinking about obvious things, you know, like telling lies or stealing things uh, from others, etc. And we start seeing pride. We start seeing self-righteousness. We start seeing all manner of other things in our motivations, than what we would like others around us to observe about us. We may think we're getting worse and worse, but actually we're not in a very good place to judge that. And we should leave that to God and stop trying all the time to take our spiritual temperature. Our spiritual thermometers get it wrong. We don't see what God is doing in our lives. Once again, Maybe that's even the grace of God that says, hey, if you saw what I was actually doing through you, then you're going to start becoming proud and that's going to be a problem. And so often we don't see, we're not conscious of what God is doing in our lives. In fact, it seems to us and to our powers of observation that things are getting worse. We simply need to trust the word of God. And Paul says in our text, as we've said already, that one way or another we are going to be slaves. We don't have a choice about being a slave. The only issue is who are we going to be a slave to? Who's going to be our master? Is it going to be sin under the law? Or are we going to be slaves to God under grace? And, of course, in Paul's day especially, slaves didn't have rights. They were owned by somebody. We don't have a choice about being owned by somebody in that sense. Our only choice is who will our master be. When we surrender to Jesus and his spirit, that spirit is at work in our lives. Every day he's making us new and more like Jesus. Just as though we're not usually conscious of our heartbeat or of our breathing, so we won't always be aware of what God is doing in our lives by His Spirit. But that doesn't mean that it's not happening. God's gift to you is that you live under Christ. You're no longer under the law, not even the law of God. As Paul asks in verse 15 of our text, does that mean that we should give free reign to sin in our lives? Well, of course not. That would be absurd. That would be ridiculous. We are, after all, dead to sin. We're the forgiven children of God. We know who and whose we are. We belong to him. So what do we do when we find again that there's sin in our lives? We confess it and thank God for his forgiveness. We surrender again to the Spirit in our lives, realising that the battle against sin is not one that we can win, but that the battle has already been won for us back when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And so therefore, we're living under grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to realise that the idea that we are not forgiven or that we somehow need to earn our way into your good books or your good favours is itself a temptation to sin. Help us, Lord, to simply surrender to you and to leave the judging to you so that we may live under your grace, knowing that we are forgiven and submitting our lives to you and the work of your Spirit so that you may shape us in your own image.